Screenless. The TV drama is imagined. The work and the guests are real. Making a soundtrack. Hello and welcome to Making a Soundtrack. With me, Dan Watts. And me, Gareth Davis. Opening scene and action. So, Gareth. How are you? I'm I'm very well. I'm a bit tired actually. I had some really good sleep right up until one a.m. and then suddenly I found my brain whirring, um, various things uh, going. The old cogs turning. Um, by the end of it, I didn't know whether I was awake because my brain was whirring, or my brain was whirring because I was awake. Yeah. Uh, and then I spent the next half an hour trying to figure that out. Is it a creative thing because your brain is kind of naturally? Um, problem solving and doing those things I, I think lots of people have on a daily basis problems to solve so i think it's probably a universal thing but i you know speaking mm. to um speaking to fellow creatives it is quite a common thing i'd be interested to hear if anyone else out there uh composer or otherwise has had any problem sleeping and um what do you do about it yeah because drinking's not the answer <laughs> Drinking's not the answer generally, no. Especially not coffee. (laughs) Very true, very true. This week, we have the absolute pleasure of talking to storyboard and concept artist, Rob McCallum. Rob has worked on many things that you will have seen, including Robocop, Pacific Rim, Beauty and the Beast, The Thing, uh, Dracula, Star Trek Discovery, Luke Cage, you name it, he's pretty much done it. I very much enjoyed Uh, Star Trek Discovery so far. Yes, I've loved that as well. It actually looks so beautiful. (laughs) It does. It really does. I think they've done everyone from the whole whole design team, you know, um, from the concept Mm -hmm. artists, uh, right the way through costumes, props. Everyone's done a really stellar job on it. And a really good nod to the original, but also... Uh, making it look fresh. Yes, I, I understood the whole giving them their own costumes because Discovery was a specific spaceship and it was different and all the rest of it. But then in Series 2, when they introduced their version of the original series costumes with Pike and stuff, I thought that was brilliant. Also, Pike is just the best character. He really is. He's awesome. Let's hope he gets a spin-off. Yeah, I'd watch it. So if you want to follow Rob on the line, his Twitter account uh, for all his artwork is at Rob McCallum Art. So that's M-C-C-A-L-L-U-M Art. Uh, That's for his artwork. Uh, But he has a personal Twitter account, which is Rob underscore McCallum. Uh, You can follow him there as well. And I think it's the same on Instagram. It is the same on Instagram, yeah. And also, go and check out his profile on imdb.com. Yeah. It's just a mind-blowing list of TV and film, isn't it? It is. I think when we first started speaking about Rob, it was like, well, I've seen sort of somewhere between 95 and 98% of all of the stuff he's done. (laughs) It is is a long list of excellent, excellent TV and films. Okay, is it time for Cue the Music? Cue the Music. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Cue the Music. So what have we done so far with the music? Well, we've been working on the ident. Yeah, so at the start of the show, you will have heard 
the audio ident, which is the audio version of a logo, isn't it? And actually, next episode, we will be going behind the scenes of making that ident. We will indeed, yes. But that's as far as we've gone with the music. We do need to start thinking about how we're going to make this album, yes. don't we? Yes, we do. As we've mentioned uh, in the introductions, we are not next door to each other and not even yep. remotely next door to each other. Um, we both use different equipment, so yeah, we do need to put some ground rules in place to make it as uh, easy as possible to swap and share files and ideas, that kind of thing. I think in terms of ideas, uh, we did agree that Actually, we shouldn't be declaring a genre that we wanted to work in or uh, anything like that, because that's up to the music supervisors and the producers to to match the music with their shows. Yeah. What we could decide uh, and agree on is a general kind of ebb and flow of the album. Where do things build? Does it go up to a certain level? And then there's a moment of uh, quiet or, you know... Where does the character development come in? You have to take into account, well, you know, if you if you were scoring two pitch, you're obviously following the picture and you're enhan- attempting to enhance mm. on backup what's going on on the picture. But as we're creating this um, album of music in the style of, if you like, then we need to have some things in place so that it doesn't all just sound like some sort of held chord with a little bit of percussion on it. When you're writing to picture, it's meaningful, isn't it? It's in context. Yeah. So we're, we're actually taking all that meaning out. There's no context. So I suppose we've got to try and create that context for ourselves. Maybe come up with some kind of generic characters that we can work with. Uh, what kind of person is this? What kind of person is that? Yeah, a place maybe. What kind of situation? Yeah, places. And then, you know, decide where the action is going to be. At what point? What's it building to? Yeah. What is the action and where is it? And I think it's fair to say that there will be resolution near the end and things like that. But I suppose that's, it'll be a good starting point. I don't know. We could end on a cliffhanger. Ooh, season two. Cliche, but we could end on a cliffhanger. So I think that's all we have for the music. So why don't we get stuck in to the interview with Rob McCallum? Let's do that. Our guest this week is a man in demand. His work includes Star Trek Discovery, It, Dracula, Carnival Row, Mandy, Pacific Rim, Victor Frankenstein and The Thing. It would probably be easier to list what he hasn't done. Storyboarder and concept artist Rob McCallum, welcome to the Making a Soundtrack podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. How have you been? I've been busy, always. It's nice. I'm never complaining about being busy, but yeah, it's been, um, yeah, the usual. (laughs) Fantastic. So when did you first start drawing and at what point did you seriously consider art as a career? Um, I've always drawn since I was like, I, I don't remember a time when I didn't draw. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a kid of Star Wars and catching Ray Harryhausen movies on the, on the on Bank Holiday Mondays and stuff like that. So... Um, and to be honest, I've, I've, it, it was always what I wanted to do. 
I think maybe once I thought about doing architecture, which was still drawing because that seemed like a proper job. But I was kind of, and I actually got into architecture school at um, Glasgow School of Art. I, I applied for Glasgow School of Art and I think architecture there as well. And I got into architecture, but then I actually got into the the art school side of it. And that's where I went. But um, my mum and dad were always very supportive and I was kind of lucky enough to, I mean, I've had real jobs, but I was kind of lucky enough to never have to really think, right, this is a, this is me. Um, I've always I've always been able to uh, I've I've always been able to kind of focus on this as being what I wanted to do. You know, I think parents being supportive, parents being supportive is uh, is key in these things. Um, I know mine were really is yeah, mine were too. So um, uh, I know it's how long is a piece of string, but what does a typical working day look like for you? So a normal day is uh, getting up at probably about 5.30 and doing a, a lovely commute down to the, the studios. Um, and then probably get there about 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning, depending on the wonderful Toronto traffic. Mm. And uh, then it, it depends what I've got to do that day. Um, if I know what I'm doing, then I'll basically just sit and draw all day. <laughs> Um, until about seven o'clock at night, and then I will drive home again. Um, usually, you'll be meeting with the director. If I've, if I've got something to show the director, I'll uh, I'll run and basically you end up you end up kind of stalking the director for most of the day because <laughs> you you won't end up because you know it's very kind of you know you see them when you need to see them, so you're rarely on the schedule for on the prep schedule for that day so um you basically yeah you're just lurking in corners waiting to pounce (laughs) 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 um sometimes sometimes you catch their eye and sometimes they turn away but anyway (laughs) you wait and see you just so um if i've got stuff to show them then i'll show them what i've got to do uh what i've been doing and once uh once the storyboards are approved then you go through the the wonderful stages of uh lettering it up and then numbering it all and then marking on all the vfx it's all admin <laughs> after yeah, the drawing yeah. done. and then it stuff's distributed sometimes i get to go to set to stop the director it's nice that, <laughs> it's not dissimilar to our role as well as a, as composers yeah 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 because I've, I've been on set when uh you know the editors have been there um trying to show them show them a, a quick edit and stuff like that and you get so it's me and the editor stalking the director trying to get <laughs> sometimes if you actually go on to set because it's quite dark if you actually look behind like you know monitors and stuff like that there's usually groups of people waiting to pounce on the director the minute they're casting. yeah <laughs> and their time is precious so uh, it is. You, you do appreciate that you know any second is really valuable absolutely absolutely yeah. so when you're working would you actually listen to any film or tv scores oh yeah and and what what kind of games movies or other kind of media inspire you the most i mean i'm always listening or got something going on on my computer like i said i do everything on an ipad pro now so my macbook is essentially basically an ipad a big a big ipod <laughs> basically play stuff. it's the, the most great. expensive mp3 player i've ever bought um <laughs> so 
Yeah, well, if I'm if I'm trying to work out ideas, if I'm sitting down and I've got the script and I've got the director's notes, and frequently I've got like three or four screens on with the, I've got the VFX budget, I've got the the script, I've got the director's notes, and I've got my roughs, and I'm trying to sort of funnel all those into yeah. a single piece where I'm cross-checking things and making sure that I don't have any. Uh, I'd, I'd be, I'm not going over budget-wise for VFX shots. Um, the uh, it's either silence or I like to listen mm-hmm. to uh, John Williams is all. You know, it's all. It's, it's the one everyone. John Williams, John yeah. Carpenter ones are always kind of nice to listen to for that. Do you find? Sorry to interrupt. Do you find um, that if you're doing something sci-fi, for instance, that you'll go dip into a kind of sci-fi? related soundtrack or is it just whatever helps you concentrate it's all, often that um i just I'll, I'll end up just sitting with my headphones on and not have anything on so no one bothers me because you mm. have to concentrate and i often find that i'm not listening to it as much as just kind of being in the, yeah. the sort of sphere of music and stuff um because i used to listen to audiobooks all the time and I kind of, you know, all of a sudden you realise you're four chapters in and you haven't been paying attention because you've been thinking <laughs> about stuff. Yeah. So you've got to go back, so I stopped doing that. But, um, yeah, no, I listen, I listen to movie movie stuff. With Apple Music and like Spotify and stuff these days, you can just kind of stick on a playlist. I, I used to kind of try and get into the kind of main space by going, right, okay, I'll listen to this and I'll listen to that. But the end of it, you know, as long as you're listening to something that kind of keeps you going, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, when you're working, you're, it's almost like your subconscious needs to be entertained. Yeah, so, yeah. You, you know, you, you, need, you need to put something on in the background that uh, just appeases that so that actually that part of your brain is taken care of. So the bit that you're using, you can focus. Um, yeah, you can, you can stop that trying to remind you about picking up milk on the way home and stuff. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you spoke briefly about the director. Um, um, what, what's the collaboration process like between, say, the directors, maybe the producers and sometimes even the writers? Oh, you know, it all depends on the job that you're on and how the director wants to work. Um, I've worked with directors who will take you, you know, sometimes will take you into their office and they'll have done little sketches and you just go and you basically draw them better. And yeah. uh, sometimes you're told, you know, do, do, do what I want first. And then if you've got any other ideas, you can show me afterwards. Other times... Um, You'll be, you know, director will give you a short list. Uh, sometimes you'll be brought into, you know, you wouldn't meet the director, and you'll just start with the script and you'll just start kicking ideas about. So it's a, it's a collaboration. Other times I've just been told, go and show me something. Then you just get to sit and kind of. It's weird because it's not like it's not like if if I was directing something, I, I would just go. You know, right, okay, this is what I'm showing you. Because you've still got to think, what would this director maybe want? So you've often got to like give off shoot ideas and mm. you know try and try and gear it towards what you think they might. You've got to basically get into someone's head, mm. is the thing. Yeah. And uh, there's some directors that I've worked with quite a few times that you know you get a really it's a nice feeling when you get that nice wee kind of creative flow going between the pair of you, and you've got a nice yeah. short. And established, you know. I'm sure, I'm sure it's much the same for you guys. Definitely, yeah. actually. Um, yeah, I think very much. Uh, I think part of the part of the job is is actually deciphering what they're telling you, 
because mm. they will quite often use words that actually they mean one thing, but they're using a word that could possibly mean three or four things. So yeah. it's it's narrowing down what that one thing they want is. And when you're doing something um, artistic that is open for interpretation, it makes it very difficult sometimes because what you thought they meant is not actually what they meant at all. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree. I mean, when you find someone that you can work with and 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 you built up that trust, and it is, I think it is to a degree trust. Um, mm. They trust you to do the job, and you get on with it, deliver the stuff, and hopefully, there's not many notes. Basically, ends up the what was it? One director said to me. He said, yeah, you go away and do it, and the good ideas are mine and the bad ideas are yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In addition to that, the more you work with the same people, the, the more you get to know them, and you can kind of anticipate what they want anyway, can't you? Yeah, and then there's a certain level of trust that they have in you. Yeah. They know that yeah. you can you can do this for them. And yeah. uh yeah, it's it's and it's funny because some, sometimes you get jobs that really only last a couple of weeks, and you've got to dive in like the first meeting, try and kind of get in ahead of the director within an hour, <laughs> and try and work out what they want, and then go <laughs> and do it. You know, other times you get like months to kind of build up a relationship, a working relationship with them. It's exactly the same for us. I mean, there are those jobs that appear out of the blue. I. I did one job with um, with my brother. We got a phone call and, and they said, oh, the, the composer on this has unfortunately had a nervous breakdown. And it's like, oh, God, that's that's awful. And he says, yeah, but um, the dub, this was on Friday, and they said the dub's next Friday. It's an hour and a half long documentary. Do, you know, <laughs> do you think you could do it? And it's like... Yeah, go on then. <laughs> and uh, we 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 got we got fifty five minutes worth of music written, recorded, and mastered and delivered in five days. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. basically. Which, uh, but that's one of those things. You know, that comes and you have to get into it. The other thing that happens in that situation quite often when it's a late call is that um, they tend not to be quite as picky. Mm. <laughs> because they can't <laughs> so you you know you do it and then there might be a few notes but i think i don't think we got a single note on that one <laughs> not not a single note that's the, the one and only job i've ever done where i've got no notes from yeah. it whatsoever yeah. occasionally i'll do one of these short jobs that i'm really proud of and i, I there's something there that I, i'm really pleased with you know my work mm-hmm. um and i and I've obviously enjoyed it and something's come out of it that I'm really pleased with. But nine times out of ten, it's the it's the ones that you get the time to spend on where yeah, you can yeah. you can get it all completely wrong and then turn it around at the end and actually make it work that I find mm-hmm. are the most satisfying because there's a Oh yeah, yeah. You get the time to have a working process. Yes. And that and that's nice to have. It's something that I've man I've managed to kind of streamline it down a wee bit just because uh because of the schedule of shooting a TV mm. show. Yeah. Um, we are basically, it's almost like prepping for a movie every 10 days, or it yeah. can be. Um, when, it, when it has been something kind of, you know, like, well, there's been a huge amount of work. I've had longer to do it for this for this gig. But, um, yeah, no, a nice long one where you actually get to explore things. And uh, there's been a few times where basically... Yeah, it, there's been almost no point in really reading the script other than just to get beats out of it because mm. you've been told what you're doing is going to replace wow. the script here. So, so you're essentially uh, a you script get, writer uh, as well then? 
in that in that scenario. Well, you're just you know, it's more like being a comic book artist when you're actually just drawing and coming up with stuff. You know, it's uh, but you just but you still got the guidelines. You still got the beats of you know this has to happen and then this has to happen and then this has to happen and you have to kind of work out how you get there. You know. Yeah. So this is really a podcast about making a soundtrack. Yeah. So on the TV dramas that you've worked with, often with very large crews, how do you feel music fits into the storytelling mix? It's so far separated from what I do when I'm actually there. I suppose you're on separate ends of the kind of production spectrum, aren't you? Yeah, well, usually, I mean, to, um, I've worked with ed- the editors quite often. It's actually, it's, it's nice. It's like the beginning and the end. <laughs> Yeah. So it's always fun working with an editor. And I've I've worked with some editors that have been directing stuff as well. Um, But I mean, for the final product, it it never fails to blow me away when the the composer's done such a great job a lot of the time. Um, Because I mean, music, when you, for for the final product, when you're sitting, I mean, when I'm drawing, I'm just drawing stuff and I'll make these sound effects and describe it to the director and stuff like that. And you kind of have an idea of like, timing and mm. moments you could just draw right okay you do a setup on this side you do a setup on that side and then you do a wide master mm. shot and then the editor can sort it out i've had to do that sometimes just because it's like there's like 20 or you know, 10 pages of dialogue and you can't draw all that it's, yeah. and it's not up it's not up to me to work that out because the actors they've got input they're going to block it on set and stuff but when you get like moments for things like you know like a single person appearing and then a huge crowd coming around the corner or something like that, that sort of thing is where you think, okay, or well, the composer's going to do something with this, or if you know once this happens. And that's really interesting, though. That at that point, I mean, right at the start of the production, you're already thinking perhaps about how it'll sound as well. Yeah, yeah, I am, but you know, for all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I've got this idea for the music, right, Rob? Go away. Um, <laughs> but um, music is a huge part of the final product because it affects so, so much of it. It affects the mood, it affects the... I mean, the amount of times that you'll be sitting watching a, a film and then, you know, the music swells. I remember being a kid sitting watching Superman in the, wow, yeah. in the cinema in Glasgow. And... Uh, yeah, you know, I, I will often just put on the opening credits to Superman because not only I think it's probably, maybe that or Raiders, but that is probably my favourite John Williams piece of music. And the words make noises when they flew by the camera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they actually make whooshing sounds when they come by the camera. And it's just, I, I find it, it's, it mesmerises me. It's so mm. good. But if you get a good theme tune stuck in it exactly the right place, even if it's just a wee hint of it and stuff, yeah, yeah. no, music's huge. It's a very, very big part of it. If you could give advice to either your younger self or an aspiring artist, um, what would that advice be? My younger self, I would say stick up for yourself a little bit more. Um, maybe keep directing, because that's what I want <laughs> Right. I used to I used to make I used to make short films. I got into storyboarding because I I used to make my own short films and then I ended up doing comics for a while. I worked for uh 
2000 AD and Marvel and DC. I worked for Stan Lee for two years from uh, a house in Greenock, <laughs> doing everything by phone call and FedEx, because that was before computers were any use. But uh, as far as the drawing side of it goes, it's worked out all right. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it's worked out probably about as well as it could so far, touch wood. Um, for younger artists, basically stick at it. Um, don't copy people too much don't learn to draw from comics or manga, learn to draw from real life because you can always tell when somebody has only learned to draw from comics mm. if you learn to draw from real life um, you can basically find your own shorthand for how you want things to look when you're drawing anything unless you're spending like a month drawing one single element of it you're it's it's all it's all basically shorthand mm -hmm. except for maybe those paintings that you see that they look so photographically real that you think why didn't you just use a photograph <laughs> what is what is the point yeah. of that you know i mean yes as a technical exercise it's wonderful but the photograph you've copied looks exactly like what you've ended up with yeah you know so it's get a wee bit of yourself in there as well um, but not so much. Well, I'm not even going to say that. I was going to say not so much that it, it couldn't be used by someone. But you know what? I'm not going to tell you what to do. <laughs> if, if you want to have big visual flourishes, you can do that. You just it's it's one of those things. Like I say, it's a how long is a piece of string thing. Yeah, there is definitely. no no one way to yeah. do it, and every single person has a different way. You know, they've all got a different story. But just basically, all I can tell you is just keep drawing. Keep drawing or painting or doing whatever you want to do. For storyboard artists, learn to tell a story. And also you have to learn to draw as well. Because if you can't draw and you're trying to tell a story, your storytelling can be found and it can still work. But the, the director's little scribbles could probably work as well. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I've always had a, a mild theory that uh, composers should learn to edit films. In a film or a TV show, the chances of you doing anything beyond two minutes is slim to none. <laughs> so you've got to do these. And, you know, I've done stuff that's been like nine seconds and things like that. It's ridiculous. And how you tell any kind of story in that time yeah. is so difficult. So I've always thought that actually, you know, uh -huh. learning to yeah. edit might actually be of help to mm. uh, aspiring composers yeah well it's like i mean with with what i do over the years i i've picked up some visual effects knowledge i've picked up camera you know because when i'm drawing stuff it's all very well drawing it but you've got to be able to get a camera to do that yeah so you've got to work you know you've got to go to the art department you've got to work out if the walls are wild wild means you can take the wall out and put it back in again for those that don't know um and you've got to work out how, how you're going to get this shot. You've got to, there's so much that you've got to work out and, and actually know about. And you will gradually just pick all this up. But you, it helps to know about all the other departments and how what you're going to do affects things or if it's going to be affected by the other departments and things like that makes it helpful. You know? I think that was one of the things when Gareth and I were first talking about doing this podcast. I said, well, there's so many other people involved in making a TV yeah. show that actually you have to as a composer deal with probably only about 10 to 15 percent of the people that are involved mm -hmm. in the tv show but you do have to deal with them and you do have to talk to these people and there has to be a language and there has to be an understanding and if you just go in there and say well here's my music bosh there you go mm -hmm. you know it's mm -hmm. never gonna get you're yeah. never gonna get anywhere 
Um, you, you know, it is a collaborative process and you do need to be able to work with people. And, you know, like you said about being able to understand some of the VFX stuff and how a camera works. And this, it's the same for, it's the same for composers. You've got to know that when, when the sound effects guy puts all his stuff in, you've got to be able to look at his shot and go, actually, you know, we're outside here. There's going to be quite a lot of Atmos. So yeah. that, that Atmos, I, I know from experience, that Atmos is going to kill yeah. Uh, reverbs and anything quiet whatsoever. So I need to look at my instrumentation and my choices. And it's the yeah. same when, you know, they do big explosions and stuff. It's pointless putting some massive crescendo going up to something <laughs> to, on, on the explosion because you've got a mass F off explosion going off. No one's going to hear anything. <laughs> And you just go, wah, 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 yeah. in the, back. <laughs> the purpose of this is as much a, a kind of a voyage of discovery for us, isn't it? In terms of, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, how can we, how can we make the best music that we can by talking to other people in a production crew? Sure. Knowledge is power. <laughs> and with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, that's great, Dan. <laughs> Somebody might have come up with that first. There you go, Rob. You can have that one for free. <laughs> okay thanks i'll put that in thank you so much for taking the time out to talk no, to no us no problem it was a pleasure i mean it's been illuminating uh really for me it yeah. really it's been has fun. it's been fantastic fun. it really has thanks rob okay thank you notes okay this section is about you, the audience. I have a note here from Sam, who's a French horn player, who says, really enjoyed the first episode of the podcast. If it stays much like that, then it will be a great series for sure. What a nice thing to say. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, what a lovely thing to say. I also had a little one as well. Hi there. Just wanted to say I really enjoyed the podcast. Bravo. Looking forward to more. And that was from Mike Langley, who's also a composer. Thanks, Mike. Brilliant. We have uh, mentioned to guests about supplying us with an image that represents them rather than just a headshot, which doesn't really tell us much about what they do. So we can use it on social media and on the website and things. To kick things off, Rob has sent us a typically amazing sketch that he did. He knocks up these sketches on his iPad in, I think, Procreate. If you follow his Twitter feed, they look amazing. So he sent us one of these sketches, which is great. So you can go to Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and see that sketch that he did. Yeah, it's really worth um, checking out Rob's stuff because it's just fantastic. On our website, you can see the links of the social media. And there, we'd really love you to engage with us and give us feedback. Yes, please. Also, on the website, you can find the links to the various podcast hosts uh, there are quite a few up there now. If you use a different app, just let us know and we'll investigate. Okay. I think, Dan, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. So how do you find us? Makingasoundtrack.com. We'll tell you all you need to know. Links to the podcast, social media links. There's information about us, any supporting materials discussed on the podcast that might help in some way. Please give us a good rating on your podcast app if you like what you hear. It will really help us. And if you enjoy this episode, tell someone. Share our posts. Give us feedback. We'd love to know how you feel. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye. Bye.